Jack, are you there? Yeah. Yes. Sheldon, are you able to hear me now? Yeah. Okay. The Gemara says that Tyre is Nick of Yusurim. That means that Tyre is so precious that in order to gain it, we have to be willing to endure difficulties. I would think that the situation today is certainly uh, an element of Yusurim taking away the inability to interact on the more personal level. So it's an added schus for all those that partake and participate in the Limon Atayah. I guess perhaps the technical difficulties of setting things up tonight just adds to the Yusurim. In the beginning of the fourth parish of the Sechusukkah, the Gemara begins with a question. That the Mishnah says that you can't use Lulav on Shabbos, and the Gemara has a Mai, Tilto Ba'almahu, the Litchi Shabbos. The Gemara wants to know why shouldn't you be able to take a Lulav on Shabbos? It's only Tilto. And therefore, the mitzvah of lulav should be daicha, the iser of tilpa. So the Gemara's question is that when a person takes a lulav on Shabbos, there's no iser dairaisa. The way the Gemara expresses itself, the Gemara is acknowledging that there is an iser derabanan, but the mitzvah of lulav, which is a mitzvah dairaisa, should push away the iser tilpa, which is drabanan. That's how the Gemara expresses itself. Taisvis says that from the way the Gemara says it, Afogav the Chazi Mitzvah, Shayach Bey, Iser Mutzah, without Latilto. Taisus is pointing out, I'm using this object for a mitzvah. If an object is needed for a mitzvah, one would have thought that that itself is not simply pushing away the Iser Muktzah, but that itself would make it that the object is not considered Muktzah. Most items that we have a use for on Shabbos and Yantif are not Muktzah, because Muktzah by definition means something that is not usable on Shabbos and Yantif. If I have a mitzvah to do on Shabbos and Yantif, that in itself should essentially give this object the status of a keli, of a usable utensil and item for Shabbos and Yantiv. So Tysus is pointing out that the way the Gemara expresses itself is mashma, it sounds like from the Gemara, that even though I have a mitzvah to do with this item, I still consider the item muktzah. That means the, the din of muktzah is not affected by being a mitzvah. It's true that the mitzvah has the power to override the Isidurabadan of Muktzah, but it doesn't change its status from being Muktzah to non-Muktzah, which means, Taisus is saying, without this Gemara, I would have thought that on a regular Shabbos, a Lulav, which is essentially a piece of wood, is Muktzah, because it doesn't have any use. On Shabbos, which is Sukkot, it has a use. The use is the Mitzvah. So if it has a use, it should be essentially a utensil, a keli. So Taisus is telling us that despite the fact that it has the use of a mitzvah, it doesn't lose the status of muktzah. Taisus says the reason is 
because it's not made into a kli. And Taisu says, I'll show you a precedent for this. That the in the lechem upon him, the way they were positioned on the shulchan in order to allow the flow of air, they were typically placed on kanim, on small poles, on small, they're just basically sticks, in order to lift the bread. They shouldn't be resting one on top of the other to allow for the air flow, that they shouldn't become moldy. But it's mavur in the Gemara that those kanim on Shabbos, since on Shabbos when they remove the bread, they would have to remove these kanim. So the Gemara explains that the Mishnah is telling us that there's an issue of muktzah, and therefore things have to be removed before Shabbos, which is when the bread was removed every single Shabbos. <clears throat> so even though <clears throat> those kanim play a role in the mitzvah, he brings a raya, the Gemara explains that that Mishnah that says you can't move the Kanim, it was a Mishnah that was learned at an earlier stage in the Halachas of Muktzah. But Taisus proves from there that conceptually, something which is used for a Mitzvah does not automatically lose the status of Muktzah. There's a Mishnah, the end of the third parakel of Sukkah. The Mishnah says, Mekabeles Isha, Miyad bena u miyad bala u maxi rosoy lamayim. A woman can take the dalad minim, can take the lulav from her son, from her husband, and put it back in water the Shabbos. So the Mishnah here discusses how we try to keep the lulav fresh. The Mishnah talks about putting it back in the water. Yontiv has a different halacha, Cholomite has a different halacha. But the Mishnah expresses itself not by simply saying, when the man is finished using the lulav, put it back in the water. The Mishnah says that the woman is able to take it from her son and from her husband. The Gemara says, Pshita, what's the Chiddush? Of course she can take it from them. Maudetema, I would think, Hoyo v'isha lavbas since a woman doesn't have the obligation of Dalad Minim, I would think she's not allowed to take the lula from her husband and from her son, and that she's allowed to. Now, what does this Gemara say? The Gemara seems to be saying that when a woman takes the Dalad Minim from her husband, that she runs into a problem that since she doesn't have the mitzvah of Dalad Minim, so for her, the lulav would be muktza, and she wouldn't be allowed to take it from her husband and put it into the water. So the Gemara seems to be saying clearly that there's potentially a muktza issue, which would stop the woman from taking the lulav. The Mishnah tells us, however, Kamash Mulan is teaching us that in fact, she is allowed to take the lulav from her husband. So why in fact is she allowed to take it from her husband? So here there seems to be a disagreement in the Rishonim as to why, in fact, it's mutter. So if we, if we look in Rashi, Rashi says, Rashi says, I would have thought for the husband it's not a problem, for her son it's not a problem, but for her it is a problem of tilto. 
Kamash Molan, Tivan the Roy Limitilus Anoshim, Tairas Kli Alav, Umuda the Tiltulakot. So Rashi says, What's the Mishnah telling us? The Mishnah is telling us that since the husband has a use for the Dalad Minim, the son has a use for the Dalad Minim, therefore it now gets a Tairas Kli. That means really what the Mishnah is teaching us is we don't look at a lulav on sukkis as just a random piece of wood. We look at a lulav on sukkis as a keli, as a usable utensil. And since it's something which is a tairas kli, it's considered a utensil for her husband, that means it's not mutza for anyone. It's just like if a person has a type of a utensil that he uses on Shabbos or Yontif and another person doesn't use, but the owner uses it. So once the item is not mutzah for the owner, it's not mutzah for anyone. So essentially what this mission is saying, according to Rashi, is that a lulav really is not mutzah. That a mutzah, that a dim mutzah, which is because it doesn't have a tairas kli, it's not considered a utensil, the mission is actually teaching us that we should not treat the lulav as something that's mutza. That is, I would have thought a man has a right to be metalpal a lulav because he needs to do the mitzvah. A woman doesn't have a right to because she doesn't have the mitzvah, therefore for her it remains mutza. The Mishnah is teaching us that it's not mutza at all, and therefore the woman can take it from her son or her husband, because really a lulav does not have the status of mutza on on Sukkot, even on Shabbat, uh, on Sukkot. Here we're speaking about Yontif. But again, it's the same idea as the Mishnah later. Here we're telling us that the mitzvah of Lulav is what takes away the Din Mutzah. So it's not that it's Deicha Mutzah. It doesn't push away Mutzah. It essentially removes the whole discussion of Mutzah because now it has a Tairas So really, it's a question, it's Rashi. That's the Gemara on the Malaf, on the base, on the days, the beginning of the Mishnah, is what Taisus is deriving this idea from. Tilto, the Alma, the Gemara says, what's the Chiddush? Shita. You're only dealing with an Issa de Rabbanan. Really, the Rashi would have explained it. The Gemara's Kasha really should have been. You're not even dealing with an Issa of Tilto. Once you have a Mitzvah, it now has a Tairas and you should be allowed to do it because it's not mutzah. So the way the Gemara expresses the question is difficult. <clears throat> is it is it to say the same way that the previous Mishnah in the third parak versus the first Mishnah in the fourth parak is discussing di- different kufas? And therefore, maybe you know, really, it's not mutzah in the third parak, whereas in the fourth parak, it is mutzah. Is it shayach to make That's such not. a distinction? So you would have to say that when the Gemara, the Gemara is the one who uses the terminology of Tilto Baalma, but you'd have to say that when the Gemara asked the question, that the Gemara meant to say, even if you'll tell me that this Mishnah was learned in a time when there were more stringent halachas of Mutza, the worst that it would be is Tilto, and it should still, still override it. Because you're mm-hmm. saying perhaps the Mishnah at the end of the third parak is once the Rabbana took off all the stringencies of Dine Mutzah, 
and they allowed more kalim to be used. Masha'enkein, since there was a time in, in Zman HaMishnah, which goes back to Nehemiah, which is a Gemara in Shabbos, when they had more restrictions on Muksa, so the Gemara in the Kasha, rather than be presumptuous and say, there's no issue of Muksa Bechlal because it's a Kali, you're saying the Gemara means, even if I were to argue that the Mishnah was learned at an earlier Kufa, when there was still a Zera of Nehemiah before they were Materit, it still would have a right to be Daicha. That's, that's a possibility. In the beginning of the yeah. fourth paragraph, it's talking about before there's a mitzvah. It's asking that it should become a cheft of the mitzvah. Well, but the Gemara's question is, there is a mitzvah during Yom Tif. The Gemara's question is, why should Shabbos be different? So the Gemara knows there's a mitzvah. The Gemara is saying the Mishnah is telling us, don't take it on Shabbos. The Gemara wants to know why not. So you have to say the Gemara means to say, not only is there a kasha, why not? This this man that that they were their abundant pulled back on the isra muktza, that muktza became more kal. That something which has a teiras kli is sufficient, but even if something doesn't, even if a teiras kli is not a heter, because you see from that same mishnah that Tysus brings in Menachas, that they were even machmir on those kanim, the gemara would be saying that even in such a situation. It should still be, should still be mutter because of the chiyah. That's a possibility. Now there's a hagos hashri in that's on the rush in the end of the third parish where the, he brings this gemara in the end of the parish. The gemara part of pshita marathema hoyo beisha labas chiyuve emoloi. Rashi and he brings the Rashi. There's a question in Rishinim whether a woman is allowed to make a bracha on a mitzvah saseisha's man grama. Now, there's a question in Achrainim if you understand that she cannot make a bracha, does that mean to say that we consider this a very weak mitzvah? As, as much as, the, as she's an Eina mitzvah it's a very weak mitzvah. Or do we say the mitzvah itself? is as strong as that of a man, even though she doesn't have an obligation. The only issue is she can't make a bracha because she can't say the word vitzivanu, because she's not commanded. Now, the Agatha Shri is saying something very interesting. The Agatha Shri is bothered. Rashi cannot find any justification to allow a woman to take the lulav unless you tell me that it has a tairas kli because of her husband. The Agatha Shri says, why didn't Rashi simply say, Kamash Malan, since she could take it herself and make a bracha, that should give it a tairas kli for her, not because of her husband being able to use it, but rather because she herself could use it. So he takes out of Rashi that he understands that she cannot make a bracha, but you see from this Agatha Shri that if she cannot make a bracha, even though she could pick it up, 
and do the mitzvah without the tzivui, he seems to understand that would not be a reason for the lulav to get a tairas kli, and were it not for the kamashmalon, that her husband being able to use it, affecting her, I would have said it remains muktzah for her, and she would not have any right to be metalphalic. <clears throat> However, the Agos Ashri is saying, or Tam says, you're allowed to make a bracha. Therefore, he says, the Tam will learn the Gemara differently, as he will learn the Kamashvalon of the Mishnah is exactly this point. Kamashvalon, that since she herself is allowed to use it with a bracha, therefore it's not mutza for her. Now, you see from this Tam that without this idea that she's able to use it herself with a bracha, the fact that her husband could use it would not remove the dine muksa, and it would actually remain muksa. And you see from this that every individual person has to be able to justify his moving this stick, this lulav, only, can only be justified if he himself or she herself could use it for a mitzvah, and you have to add this piece with a bracha, then it seems to be a full-fledged mitzvah. Then for that individual person, it loses the din of, or at least you have the head that it's not mutzah. But for everybody else, it remains mutzah. So we have here a disagreement as to how to learn the Gemara, what's the kamashmal on, on membezam and aleph. The question is how each one will learn membezam and beis. But in uh, Rabbeinu Tam, yes? Why is the bracha ma'akiv? Because, meaning either way, she would have the Torah's kli being chal upon the lulav if she's doing the mitzvah. That's a, that's a good point. To me, it sounds like he understands that if you can't make a bracha, it, it's really saying, which is something, as I mentioned, it's Achreinim who discussed this, they seem to understand that the maisa mitzvah and ene mitzvah va'isa does not have the power, it doesn't have the chashivas to consider this a kli because I, my understanding is it's considered a keli because it has a purpose which the Torah recognizes or as we would say people recognize. Now if the Torah only sees this misa of taking as a mitzvah that's an ena mitzvah it's not something that she's obligated to do so you can't say there's any designation for this to be used for mitzvah. It's something she could choose to do on Shabbos, on Yontif, but there's nothing that obligates her to do it. So as far as she is concerned, until that point in time, it's just a stick. Now, it, again, it's, you're asking a very good question because being able to make a bracha is something that the, that the Haggadah Shri feels is enough grounds to say <clears throat> that we consider this a full-fledged mitzvah and that will give it a tairas kli. Really what it's saying, which is the mashmois in the Gemara, in, it's, an, it's another Gemara in Erevin, that when a woman does a mitzvah, since she can't make a bracha, it's such a weak thing that as much as the Gemara says the schar for an ene mitzvah it just doesn't have the chashivis, it's not significant enough, to be able to give it any real status. But the Maisa is, I, I feel your question is a good question. But that much we see from the Haggadah Sashri, that making a brachad is a fundamental difference as to how we see this action of the mitzvah.
in the Rabbeinu Tam, he seems to learn that really it is muksa, but you need a heter, and every person who can do the mitzvah has the heter, as opposed to the way Rashi learns the Gemara, it's saying it lost the din muksa becomes a tyrus kli. We still have the possible answer that it could be that it makes a difference in which kufa of the, of the Mishnah is whether that idea of tyrus kli was always true or only the later kufa in Mishnayos. You should have continued Hatzlacha and continue your tremendous Hatzmud and Lima Ratayra. Hatzlacha. Amen. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, um, back to, uh,